Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Welcome back to the Voices in My Head podcast. As always, I am your host, Rick Lee James, and I'm glad you could be here with us today. I have a new friend that I am thrilled to get to have on the podcast today. Uh, You may hear a little bit of background noise because we are on location um, somewhere between Dayton and Cincinnati at Dorothy Lane Market. And uh, we have just both eaten delicious baked goods and have been drinking coffee and enjoying a conversation. Uh, But my friend that's here today is Scott Kelly. He is the music pastor at Springdale Church of the Nazarene, uh, which is in a suburb of Cincinnati, right? Yeah, just north of Cincinnati. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Scott has a lot of uh, experience in leading music over the years and in doing many different things, um, being on staff in in church congregations. So I thought it would be fun uh, to have him just informally, while we're sitting here yeah. getting coffee, maybe record a conversation about worship and some of the issues that we're facing in worship today. So, Scott, welcome to Voices in My Head. Great to be here. Great to. Uh, why don't we start by just tell us a little bit about yourself? Anything that you feel is you know wow. pertinent to people as they listen? They know you're a music pastor, but you're also a superhero by night, or you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, you know. I'm really not that interested. <laughs> But I have been uh, doing this for 20 years, and uh, I answered the call to ministry a little later in my life. I was in business for about 14 years in the business world, and uh, but had a calling on my life all those years. And finally, you know, through uh, some fighting and, and saying no, and yeah. ref- you know, refusing to answer that call, I finally said yes. And been the best 20 years of my life. So. That's fantastic. Yeah. So um, now, now you are currently at. Uh, Springdale, as I said before, so if anybody doesn't know much about that church, tell us just a little bit about the context where you're at now. Yeah, it is a great church. We are um, a very diverse congregation. We have uh, a large percentage of African Americans, and then uh, I was just talking to you earlier that we have uh, a group from French Africans that are that are coming now, some Egyptians. We have more than that, but uh, we're just really proud of the kind of multicultural uh, kind of congregation that we that we've ended up having, as well as generational. You know, yeah. we're a multi generational congregation, which is interesting when you're in our position uh, as yeah. worship leaders yeah. to try to meet the needs of all of that. But it's also incredibly enriching uh, right. to the life of our church, and uh, even in the worship setting. That's great. Well, and one reason I wanted to, to talk to you today, um, some of our listeners are, are from the Church of the Nazarene, some are not, um, but you have a, a huge responsibility coming up this coming summer because in Indianapolis uh, this year, and it happens every four years somewhere, usually in Indianapolis, uh, we meet for the Nazarene Church's General Assembly, which is basically where we do all of our business as a general church, and it's you know, thousands of people come from all over the world to be a part of this, and you are the music leader for for this event, which lasts several days in Indianapolis, so um, you're not intimidated at all, are you? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like me in uh, leading worship for thirty thousand of your best friends. Right? That's right. <laughs> well, and so one reason I think you're so fascinating to, to talk about what I hope we get into in our conversation today 
is you have not just a, a span of ages that are going to be at that particular event, but and not even uh, just like you mentioned about your church with the people from Africa and the people from Egypt in there, but we have how many world regions in the Church of the Nazarene? Oh my I forget. goodness! It's like a hundred and hundred and um, sixteen or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So we have representatives from all over the world. So you have this task of not only trying to lead music for like what what many of us who are listening if we're music pastors like face on a Sunday morning with like okay here's our city coming together you have literally language upon language upon language upon language and culture upon culture coming together in one place that um, are going to be experiencing worship a little bit differently from where they're coming from in their context so this is one reason that I think you're going to be probably interesting to talk to you about some of the things I'd like to talk to you about today um before we get into specifically what might have to do with like um, kind of reaching everybody, I'm just going to call right, it, you yeah. know, trying to, mm-hmm. to, to do that. Uh, what are some of the, like, the bright spots and maybe some of the issues that come to mind when you think about worship in our modern context, at least where we are in North America? Um, any, anything that just kind of pops in your head that you go like... This is one really great thing about this, and then maybe maybe one thing where you just say, "I really struggle a little bit with this." Uh, yeah. About, about it. Does anything come to mind? Wow. Um, the thing that I think of most when you say that is, I, I feel like we're really no different than we've been probably for many many years within the context of worship in the in the church, <laughs> and that is, I think we're as healthy as we've ever been, and we're as unhealthy as we've ever been. <laughs> Uh, and, and that's that would hold true for years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so much depends upon the heart of the actual worshiper. Mm-hmm. Um, as we talked about some of the diversity in languages and that kind of thing, I have found that just that uh, the ability of the Holy Spirit to like uh, entertain us or, or meet with us, mm-hmm. even when we don't even un- completely understand what's being said, right. uh, is, is far more than we give it credit for. Mm-hmm. And I've watched it happen uh, in the context of worship. Uh, so I think so much just depends on our attitude and our posture that we come in yeah. as we approach worship. Um, I think if there were anything that's that's challenging, it's it's actually just that is that um, we have to try to as worship leaders come in and be able to lead a group of people that are coming in from com- many different mm-hmm. uh, depths of their faith yeah. uh, and try to lead them to the same place. Yeah. Uh, might even sound a little impossible but i think it is impossible by our own even by our own gifts and talents but with the anointing of the holy spirit then it is possible right well i think of uh what you just said and and even this will maybe give some hope in the in the daunting prospect of all the people you have to lead this summer um you're all the listeners are familiar, everybody, I'm sure, with Mr. Rogers, if you were of yeah, a certain generation. Right, right. And I read a great book about his life recently. It's actually, it's amazing how much, how formative it has been for me, right. like reading about him and the discipline he put into into actually being as much like the person that he was on TV right. in real life. I've heard that, yeah. And, uh, and one thing that he said very beautifully um, in the book, it was kind of a quote by him. Uh, was before he went out on the the stage to do his show, and I, I say this often as a worship leader. Now, he would say this simple prayer: "Say, Lord, let some word that is heard be yours today." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, it's good. through the course of this book, when these stories they tell about him, said there are stories of people who were drug addicts that 
ended up in some cheap hotel somewhere and were just strung out. And, uh, and they turned on Mr. Rogers and they said it was in that moment that God spoke to them and started really yeah. doing something new in their life. Yes. And so they would come up to him, often like people will do with preachers, and say, you know, when you said this in your message, it just really affected me. And that preacher will go, I didn't say that. Right. You know? <laughs> right. And so he would say, in those moments, it was the Holy Spirit Absolutely. interpreting not what I said, but interpreting what you needed to hear in that moment. Yeah. And so maybe that's kind of our hope as we come together um, in such a diverse way. We're we're never going to hit all the the points we probably are supposed to hit to reach yeah. for everybody. But our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will will guide our efforts and take those efforts and use them to speak what He wants to speak into those moments. It, it so. truly is uh, the way I try to operate, and for probably the last fifteen years of my ministry, you know, as a musician. Um, we would lie to say we don't have egos because right. we do. Sure. Um, and so it was in the beginning of my ministry was how to balance my ego with what God has really just called me to do. Sure. Um, and through the years, He's really helped me to grow in that area to understand that the my the best work I do is when I'm decreased and He's increased. Right. And so probably for the past 15 years of my ministry, you'll never see me go on a platform with my group where we have not had a time of prayer and I'll say those exact words mm. less of me less of me mm. more of you more of you and I found that he honors that prayer most of the time there are times I get in the way still <laughs> but uh, most of the time he, yeah. he's very uh, faithful to decrease me enough to let him truly work yeah. and meet people where they are even yeah. when I don't because I can't understand where everybody's coming from. Sure. God says well, th- Yeah, thank God it doesn't depend on us. Yes, sure. thank goodness. But no, we all, I think we all have that ego thing. And I'm constantly trying to figure out what the balance is because you're, especially in the position that we often are in as songwriters, and yeah. I find myself like, well, you have to constantly be telling people about what you're doing. Right, yeah. yeah. Man, this feels weird to do that. It, you know? uh, yeah. like, it feels exactly. so strange because right. I don't want to tell people about you know, like what I'm doing. But yeah, so we... I love that. Less of me, less of me, more of you. I may adapt that. Oh, it's I a think, great... I think that's really good. It's a great prayer. Um, well, one, one thing that I thought might be fun for us to try to talk about, and I gave you very little advance on this, because <laughs> honestly, I was kind of jotting notes as I was coming here today, just kind of as they're coming to mind. Uh, but I told you a few minutes ago, and I'll, I'll let everybody know that's listening so you know this. I've been dealing with how do I do my best to reach out to everyone, regardless of who they are. Because it's not just languages. Um, sometimes it's the age that a person mm-hmm. is at. Right. Sometimes it's it's the mental capacity a person has. There may be people with, um, with Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. or there may be a person, um, like we have a girl in our congregation that has Down syndrome. Um, is there every time the door is open, you know. Um, we have people that, um, uh, just because of various um, handicaps or economic backgrounds, they're, they're going to understand and interpret the world differently than, right. than some of us right. do. So I've been uh, wrestling with the question of what, is, what does it look like for me to try to lead them in worship? Right. You know? What does yeah. it mean to go to that person that, that may not even be able to um, may not even be able to respond you know in some right, ways yeah. how do I help them sure. if, I'm, if I'm in a nursing home context or something right. um, that person is is no less a child of God or no right. less a spiritual person right. than, than we are so, so one way I thought maybe we could kind of talk about that a little bit today 
he's just talking about the five senses. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm going to do is is name a sense, um, one of our five senses, and then maybe we'll just kind of brainstorm a minute and just ask the mm-hmm. question, like, what are ways that we currently are are using this in our congregation, and can we think of any ways that we might be able to use it better? So does that sound good? Sounds good. good. Way to do it? Okay. Yeah. So the, the five senses... Um, we have sight, we have hearing, we have smell, we have taste, and we have touch. And I think on a weekly basis, there's a couple of these senses we're very good about engaging, right. and a right. few of them that we just almost never touch. Right. Uh, depending on depending on our context of worship. Mm-hmm. So let's start out with one of the, the easy ones as we talk about um, engaging or, or stimulating uh, the senses in worship. Um, sight. Okay. Yeah. Sight's probably yeah. an easy one as we think yeah. about it. So what what visually happens at your church on Sunday? Um, I know most of us probably have projectors, but do you have like atmospheric projectors, you know, where you have various things or maybe just describe it? Yeah, we, we do a lot of stage design at our church, so okay. uh, it will change in context with perhaps the series of uh, messages that are being preached. Mm-hmm. Um, right now we're in, in what we call an encounter series, and so... Uh, when you walk into our room, there's no doubt what that series is. We uh, created this um, space on the platform that has the word encounter that's right in your face. And so, okay. um, so yeah, we try to do that uh, as far as visual goes, obviously with projection, a lot of lighting. Okay. Um, we use a lot of lighting to set the, the kind of mood for particular songs or for series or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I wonder even like about things we don't often think about, but like even furniture. Like that's a that's a yeah. visual thing yeah. in some ways. Like it's it's a different look to a church if they have. Um, do they have pews? Do they have folding chairs? Do right. They have, you know, yeah. I mean, so there's all these yeah. different things that even that has a visual element, even though it's part of a, a different sense, which right. we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, or, or the colors that we talk about, you know, especially if you go by a liturgical calendar, there's different colors at different Absolutely, times of the year. Yeah. Right. Um, you have the purple and, and then the black for Good Friday, mm-hmm. and then you have the white right. on Easter right. Sunday. And so uh, yeah. there are ways that I think the church, we probably use the site uh, that's probably our second most used. Absolutely, thing, I, I, I agree. Yeah, that, right. so, uh, so that one we've kind of got figured out in right. some ways. I hope you know. Yeah, I think so. And we're such an audiovisual okay. uh, inclined yeah. culture. Anyway. Right. I mean, everything kind of goes to that. So that'll maybe we should have started with hearing, but we're going <laughs> to go to hearing next. So, yeah. um, so we've got in sight. We have things like um, what we really want to try to do in worship. Anyway, is not even just project a theme, but we want to show what it looks like for heaven to meet earth right. in some ways. So we're seeing that. So so we try to visualize that with sight, and then we go into hearing, and this is probably our most used, you yes. know, that we right. have. Right, right. Um, so as far as hearing goes, uh, most churches, my church, we have a band on Sunday morning, mm-hmm. we have a preacher, we have scripture readings, we have right. prayer time, we have a lot of this auditory Audience, things. Right. Um, how does it look in your context? Because you have a pretty large choir. Yes, um, we so, do. Yeah, very much like you, though. We have a, a band. Uh, we have a large choir uh, that sings most Sundays, but not all of them. And then uh, we have an orchestra, too. Mm-hmm. 
uh, that will come to the choir uh, okay. on some of the Sundays. Uh, so yeah, a lot of things hitting you, you yeah. know, from an audio standpoint. Yeah, uh, and how big is your orchestra? I didn't think to ask. Oh yeah, that. our orchestra is about 16, 17, 17 pieces okay. right now. And, yeah. and your choir, you said, has about... 117 in the choir. 117, yeah, so. yeah. that So that can be a wall of sound that's yeah. coming at you. <laughs> well, and, and that together with the visual, because even they are part of the visual Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because I right. think even that says uh, the kingdom of God is participatory, you know, like we're... We're welcoming you. It's you know? probably the thing I like most about, you know, I've, I worked with uh, congregation churches where there's been choir, not choir. Um, but I think I love the synergy of a choir just because it, um, like, just like you said, it's so inviting to the congregation. It's like you're seeing yourself up yeah. there yeah. Uh, as a participant. And uh, yeah. so it's very inviting to worship yeah. when you have 100 people up there, you know, engaging you to sure. do just that. So. Sure. So, you, so there you have... Sight, sight and, and sound, sound exactly together, yeah that's for true sure. yeah. now how how much of a of a place in your in your service even though we aren't in contexts that are necessarily like liturgical like a catholic church whatever there still right. seems to be elements that reappear again and again like oh yeah is there is there a weekly like we have a pretty regular scripture time at our mm-hmm. church every week mm-hmm. where somebody gets up to read in, yeah. in those moments and that's part of the hearing the word comes through hearing you know mm-hmm. right, like of course, right. Um, but we project the word too so right. we also get to see and hear the word so yeah. it's not just music correct but honestly haven't we, in some ways, turned the word worship to be synonymous with music? We have, and I hate it it's <laughs> yeah. because it isn't. Yeah. Um, we just, last week, we did the coolest thing where we flipped the service completely upside down. Wow. Because so many people come in and go, well, we start with worship. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't. worship is all of the elements that happen on a Sunday morning, right. you know, hopefully. Right. Um, and so we completely just flipped it around just to kind of mess with people. Mm-hmm. But it was really interesting because... Um, we prayed first, and then he gave the sermon, mm-hmm. and then I got up and led us in worship, and it, it gave me an incredible um, sense of what it might feel like for the pastor to get up and preach after we lead worship, because I came up with all this energy, and the room was just vibrant with with a new energy, Yeah, and I thought, you know, he set the table now for us to, to respond to the word, Yeah, where most of the time we're setting the table for people to hear the word. Yeah. Um, so it was it was very interesting to, to, to get it backwards, but it, it also helped bring home that every aspect of what we do is worship. It's, it's simply, we have made it synonymous with music, Yeah. but in reality, music's just one part of the art yeah. form that happens. And we've even, to, I mean, really, really it's... Uh, it, it, not that record stores or CD stores are even that much of a thing anymore, but I feel yeah. like you could, if it was, you could go into a section of a CD store and find worship you as could. a category. You now. will. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you will. And, yeah. and that completely... Uh, yeah, so it's really a hard thing. I was on another podcast this week and we were talking about, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could help people kind of flip our understanding of worship a little bit instead of just thinking about like music? What if we could think of it about like where we're sitting now at this table? Correct. It's this place where we're sitting here, we're having fellowship, and we're enjoying coffee. We're in the presence of the Lord. But, like, especially in the context of the Lord's table, that's where worship really is calling us to. Absolutely. It's calling us to be this community. And I I said, I just had mentioned, I said, I would love it if, like, in the next couple generations, we could kind of flip that idea a little bit where when you think of the word worship, you're thinking more of a table with a bunch of people around it than you are. Uh, people on the platform with a guitar or you know, things like that to where yes. you're thinking of it in different ways. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
Well, that's that's some good stuff. And so those are the the first two that I think we um, we use probably the most. Let's go to one that. Honestly, I have to think about it like real hard because, like, I don't know. Do we engage this much yeah. at all? Uh, the sense of smell. Yeah. That's what I think of. And usually, when you think of smell, there can be good smells. Yeah, and bad. bad. Smell. That's true. And sometimes after the the worship team has played yeah. really hard, it's a bad smell. Right. Yeah. Um, but the more I think about it, um, if we're creating an atmosphere of this is the place where heaven meets earth, and and like the Orthodox Church has a really interesting way of doing worship because literally everything they do, from the architecture of the building agree, to yeah, the incense they use, all of yeah. it, it's intended to remind you of stepping into the kingdom of God to be heaven, totally, a picture of heaven. Right, yes. And so I've wondered, um, just with this question, like I think we maybe do engage the smells. We're sitting here today with our coffee yeah. and, and we're not in a church today but in some ways it's the closest thing that a lot of people get to the church yes we're in a coffee shop area right um, we've, we've just had food and it smells really good because the coffee yes. is going on the food smells really good yeah. it's being baked and I was thinking and certainly that's how heaven's going to smell right right exactly that's how it's going to smell <laughs> but I wonder if like you know churches that do communion I wonder if we could even engage that sense of smell more with like what if we did fresh baked bread you know mm-hmm. Right. There's something about like you're walking in in the congregation, the, and we're engaging the visual, we're engaging our ears. But what's that smell? You know, yeah. what, what is the smell of heaven? You yeah, know? who knows? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's so, good. I know it's good. It's good. That. That's right. So anyway, just a thought. Yeah, I hadn't, that's I hadn't a, that is a tougher one, and probably one we don't we don't think yeah. enough of. I can think about like certain times. I can remember like Christmas things that I've done. And you know, put apple cider on, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. to like make the that walk through yeah. the foyers and stuff. But and, and there's that, something about it, and it's very intentional too. It is. You want to, to kind of evoke something in people with right. smells, and yeah. uh, and we don't always spend time thinking about how no. powerful of an element That's true. that is. Good point. Um, I heard somebody recently talking about. Um, a reason not to water down your grape juice, so to speak, like to, yeah, to right. actually use yeah, the wine because like of a lot the, of churches yeah, do. Yeah. And they said one reason that they still use wine is because there's a not just a taste, but there's a there's potent smell. smell Absolutely. To it. There's that's something true. there that yeah. really evokes that. So, so anyway, that's something I'm going to be thinking about. More yeah, me too, now days. that you brought it up. <laughs> um, because there's, I, I think about it even as like there's smells that I associate with being a kid. You know? Right. Or, yeah. When you stay at somebody's house that's a stranger, mm-hmm. or not, a, hopefully you're not staying at a yeah, stranger's house. Yeah, But as a kid, when you go to a friend's house, yeah. sometimes part of the reason that as a kid it can be a little scary is because there's smells, smells different. Yeah, yeah. like what's that smell that's yeah. in here? Or you smell a, a good memory, and so I, yeah, I just wonder how how we could engage that more. So we'll just. From here on out, we'll spray the church with Fabrice. Yeah, That's a great idea. Fabrice, different scented huh? Fabrice. <laughs> Guitar players, grab your yeah, exactly. Fabrice to spray out when you're in the middle of the light show. No, that's, that's good stuff, though. So, uh, but thinking about the aromas of heaven. Mm-hmm. Let's go to an easier one. That one's, okay. that one's tricky. Right. Um, taste. Um, one comes to mind immediately when we taste the Eucharist. Well, you're, of you course, know, the Lord's Supper. That's, that's Lord's probably the most... Supper. Um, and I'm trying Common to think. thing that comes. Smell is connected to taste, mm-hmm. so it's it, kind of the same. Even your coffee. I mean, there's right. a lot of coffee in churches these days. There's a lot of coffee <laughs> that we engage, and I hadn't thought of that a lot before. But churches that do allow you to bring coffee in the same. Mm-hmm. There's still several that don't. Right, right, right. Um, but that might be a good argument mm-hmm. for like 
allowing more of those fellowship type oriented yeah. things into a worship space because you are engaging the taste right. and things. And we're we're doing a series here coming up soon after Easter called the Taste of the Sweet Life. <laughs> and one of the elements we've talked about is we're it's basically a series based on the fruit of the spirits. <laughs> So we thought, hey, let's get little fruit cups, yeah, and make that part of the experience yeah. um, in one of our in one of our messages. Oh, sure. Um, so in that way, we would engage taste for that particular series, yeah, uh, in a little different way, yeah, more intentionally. No, well, I think it's always good to think of those things. I was I was reading once that uh, the Orthodox Church at Easter will use red dyed Easter eggs to remind us mm-hmm. of the blood of Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But I don't know if they I don't know if they eat them there though like in, yeah. the, in the that could be bad. <laughs> it's a weird thing to crack open a bunch of hard boiled eggs. Yeah, that would not that might not be the smell. It might not be the smell of No. Experience. Um, but yeah, that's that's a very interesting one too that I actually Yeah. Uh, if we if we're talking about worship in the context of a table then mm-hmm. then taste has a lot to do with that. Sure. You know, when we think Makes about sense. it. And when we think that the Lord's Supper originally, if you look back like 1 Corinthians 11, I mean, it really was a, a big meal. And right. that was the problem was the rich people were showing up and eating all the food before right. the poor people got to be there. Yeah. And so they were telling you not to eat and drink judgment on yourself. It wasn't because, you know, uh, you didn't pray hard enough before you came. It was because you weren't thinking of the other people right. around you. And it wasn't leaving It yeah. wasn't leaving food and drink for them. They, were, they got there late. So... Um, so I, I think it's a good thing for us to think about the what does it mean to engage that taste? How what does yeah. the table of the yeah. Lord look like even on a week when you don't necessarily you're not necessarily serving communion? Right. What does it mean for that um, table to to still be experienced? I remember way? growing up, Rick, uh, as a kid. I grew up in a rural part of the state of Ohio, and. Uh, Churches then would have homecomings. You, mm-hmm. you may have heard of that. I don't know. You're younger sure, than me. Yeah. But one of the things you did at a homecoming is you had uh, a worship experience, and then you all gathered around a table oh, yeah. to eat. Big food. Um, yeah. But you know, now that we're talking about engaging taste, I think about that. That really was part of the worship. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the greatest memories I have about community and the family of God came yeah. around those tables. Yeah. Uh, eating together, so yeah. I don't know. Maybe. It's true. It is all. It's all a part of it. It's yeah. all a part of it. You yeah. can't. That's again. That's where we get to. We can't really separate what we do on Sunday from what we do outside of those Sunday morning times. Right. Um, yeah. It's a lifestyle. It, it truly is. is, and that's the way you uh, go about that lifestyle will really depend on your experience you're going to have yeah. as an individual in a worship setting in a church. For sure. Yeah, well, these are good. They're giving me things to think about today. Oh, we got one more sense to engage. Okay. We're doing well all yeah. the time. Uh, touch is another one, and I had to think about this because people get weird about touch. You know, yeah, even right. even the word kind of makes you feel uncomfortable. So sometimes. we won't hold hands. While so we're we doing won't this. hold hands. Yeah, okay, right. like <laughs> but although I don't want to go back to a biblical version of the holy kiss, um, mm-hmm. there are some churches that actually do that. Like you know, Orthodox churches still yeah, engage in and, the holy kiss. And there are cultures that this is much more common. Yeah. Our pastor just traveled to Egypt mm-hmm. and he, where he did a conference with pastors. It was not uncommon for men to, when they, when they're speaking with you, they'll just grab your hand and you'll hold hands. Right. That's just yeah. a cultural thing. It's a mm-hmm. sign of endearment and mm-hmm. that they're interested in what you have yeah. to say. Or they greet each other with kisses. Yeah. I mean, that's a very common thing. Yeah. Um, 
And so, yeah. It's, Same thing when I was in Africa a few years ago. You just see people walking down the street holding hands. hands exactly. It's a went. very common thing. Uh, yeah. Gender wasn't a factor. No, it was just, doesn't matter. It was just if we're, if we're close and I'm affectionate towards you, I'll hold your yeah, hand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So that's interesting Different. how it, it is. So I got thinking about like the ways of, uh, of touch, yeah. do, how much we engage those things. And at first I couldn't think of any, but then I had a few ideas that came to mind. Like we do a lot of that, like even if it's just fellowship time or whatever, there's handshaking, there's fist Absolutely. bumping, there's yeah, you know, things like hugging. that. Um, you know, we, 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 will, we will greet people with hugs. Sure. But there's even like, there's times in our service where there's a laying on of hands. Absolutely, you know, yeah. Where you, you're praying over people. Um, you might hug somebody. But I think even sometimes um, we, we might ignore how meaningful that would be to a person, getting a hug from a person. Oh, um, because if you if you take into consideration some of the things that I already talked about before, a person that maybe can't understand the world in the way that we do sometimes interpret it, um, or even just a person who's very lonely, right? Like people who are single, or people who have had spouses Absolutely. that died, or just somebody who's been through a divorce, or something, yeah. you know, they're in this mode where they aren't realizing that they probably don't even realize themselves. How infrequently they're touched absolutely like, by another yeah. human being so a hug by a person maybe in the con- in the context of i don't know meeting together as the family of god or something um i think we're often fearful of touch in our oh, society yeah. because of the way it's been misused absolutely yeah. but on some level i was thinking like that in many ways could very well be the presence of jesus to someone there's there's no doubt i had we had an elderly lady in our church who uh widowed for years and so every Sunday when I'd see her, the, you know, I would always greet her with a hug. Yeah. And she told me one Sunday, she said, you're the only hug I get mm. in the course of a week. She said, so I look forward to coming here wow. and getting this hug because it's the only form of touch she gets. She lives alone. So wow. her husband's been, you know, deceased for many years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, in many ways, it's, it is a, uh, a tangible way that you're, you're kind of expressing the love of Christ over someone yeah. who... Who doesn't get that sense of touch on a regular basis? Yeah, and it can be, yeah, and it can just be so meaningful more than we would ever imagine. But there's something too about, like, in the context of even our worship, like when somebody's anointed with, oh yeah, and there's there's that commandment of laying on of hands, and there and a lot of that there's mystery to it in what we do in our worship, and we're not even sure. There may not always be a reason we can even quantify for why we do it, other than the Lord says to do this right, yeah, know, yeah. together. But I think it might be some of these reasons we're speaking about. Certainly. There may be wisdom in those things beyond what we even yeah. understand. Um, when you think about it, doesn't it mean a whole lot more to a person when you say, will you pray for me about something? If that person then stops and says, let's sit down a minute and puts their hand on you and Absolutely. starts praying. And like... There's a solidarity that builds there. There's a connection. An intimacy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, yeah. So I think there might be ways that we can use that in engaging in our worship that we aren't even thinking about right. uh, sometimes in those modes. But, um, yeah, those are those are really good things for us to think about. Um, one thing that I'll, I'll get back to in our... Um, probably as we close this conversation. Okay. This has been good, though. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed I've, it. I've enjoyed, enjoyed thinking through these things. Um, I was reading recently in a book that was uh, talking about the liturgies of the church and sort of an introduction to liturgy. And the whole book was kind of taking an approach. It, it, 
of leading us into a more high church understanding of things right. than what a lot of Protestant churches do. But I was really um, surprised at the end of the book when this author, who I was taking to be probably a little more stodgy than right. some others, surprised me when he said something to the extent of early liturgies of the church were almost entirely sung. Um, and he said, yeah. speaking liturgy is a new, rationalistic, modern thing to do almost so we can remove emotion from what we're doing. But the early church sang, and it sang a lot. And the encouragement at the end of this book on liturgy was sing as much as possible yeah. when you're together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I got thinking about that. Um, church is one of the last places I can think of where we're really welcomed to come sing really is it's nowhere else in society do you go into a yeah. a public setting and they go let's all stand and sing yeah it's very uh, very <laughs> well, much a church thing <laughs> unless you go to a ball game you know well yeah things like that but even then even it's, not it's, it's different you stand yeah and listen yeah. And things like that so yeah. the church has a very interesting task but then you think of the role that music plays and why we sing like what do we do with young children when we're trying to educate them? We start teaching them A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know. And that's like really that. what it was for the church, too. Back, you know, obviously when the when the Dark Ages occurred and the scripture was kind of taken from the church. Right. The only way they got it was through what we now refer to mostly as hymns. Sure. When they were written to kind of teach the word of God. Yeah. And they did it. Yeah. Like you said, just like we teach children their ABCs. Yeah. Through music. So... So my encouragement to that is that for those of us who are adults, and there's a point where adults get to sometimes where we almost feel like, well, I don't need to sing oh, because yeah. I'm not a kid anymore. Yeah. Um, it could be that that singing is as much a part of our growth in Christ as anything else that we sure. do on a Sunday morning Absolutely. or even in our daily life. I encourage I encourage anyone listening, sing in your daily life, too. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> you know, there's something about singing, and especially when you're singing words of faith, um, it doesn't just have to be like hymns. You know, my son takes so much joy from dancing around and singing to Can't Stop the Feeling. Yeah, I, you know? I <laughs> do too, actually. I mean, who, who doesn't? You, know, you get something like that. Um, but there is something that I think is, uh, it can draw us closer to each oh, other, no closer doubt. to the heart of God by doing that singing. Absolutely. So I guess I'll end this podcast conversation today by the same way of this book that I just finished on liturgies. Sing as much as possible. Good you know? advice. And I think that's a really good one for us. So, uh, Scott, thank you very much for, for taking time to be with us today. Before I, before I close out, is there anything um, that you would like people to know about stuff you have that you're working on currently or coming up? Or is there a website you want to point them to or nothing like that? So, no, nothing. If they want to okay. check out where I, where I lead worship at, they could go to... Um, well, sncLife.com or dot org actually, sncLife.org, and uh, they could see a little bit about the church. But all right, sncLife.org, and if they're at General Assembly in Indianapolis this summer, they can wave hi to you. Absolutely, or you. come up afterwards. I'd love to meet some <laughs> Great. folks. All right, well, Scott Kelly, thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week. Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com, follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames, like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames, and keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. 
And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace, who raised Christ from the dead, strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen.